0: This is the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cohn Franz. If you would like to support and be part of our community, you can start by visiting ZenNovaScotia.com. This morning I looked out the window and laughed. It was March 31st and my car was once again covered in snow. I don't know how many times I've had to shovel my way to freedom this year. I haven't kept count of how many days my kids have not been able to go to school this year. I have no idea how many times it has snowed this year or how many layers of snow are in my backyard. So I thought today we'd talk about spring. My daughter had an interesting moment this morning. Uh, She was eating breakfast and she really liked her eggs and she asked for more eggs. So I got her some more eggs, but I didn't get her the right amount. She wanted a little more. She felt that she had been shortchanged. It wasn't that she didn't want the eggs, but she refused to eat them because the quantity was wrong and I was trying to explain to her that she could just eat what I gave her and then I could give her more but that didn't fly and this turned into a tantrum and eventually in a moment of rage it turned into throwing her plate and breaking it at which point breakfast was gone right and eventually we got it all cleaned up and i got her a new plate and it just so happened that there were just as many eggs left in the pan as there had been on her plate so i was able to deliver exactly the same amount and this time it was okay okay <laughs> because in the process of watching it all disappear, of course, the bar had been lowered considerably. So now she could enjoy her eggs. Plus she had the the bonus of knowing that she'd gotten the last eggs, which it turns out is more meaningful than you might think. So I was watching this go on with my three-year-old daughter, and I was also watching the kind of tantrum that I keep throwing in my own mind about the weather. Because it's, I look out the window and I think, this isn't right. Something about this isn't right. Before I moved here and I was kind of scouting the place, I was given a story about what winter is. It was very specific and it really wasn't very severe. And then last year, winter was kind of dramatic. But it wasn't like this. And a year ago this week, I took my kids to an Easter egg hunt, and we were on green grass, and it was a whole other thing. But we're just buried in white. Dogan has this wonderful statement about spring he's talking about birth and death and how birth and death are, are discrete. He's, he's He's going round and round about how we shouldn't imagine that birth and death are complements of one another or that birth becomes death or that death becomes birth. And then he says, we understand that spring is not the end of winter, just as we understand that spring is not the beginning of summer. Spring is just spring. And there is no day that's in between. Not really. It's winter or it's spring. We can argue about when that happens. I made the mistake of telling my kids that spring starts on March 21st and now they're just confused. But but if we understand how impermanence really works. We understand that it can't be a process of becoming. We imagine, I think, when we first uh, start trying to look at what impermanence might, might really look like in the world, we imagine this kind of fluidity, right? and that things are becoming other things, and that things are flowing into other things, and that we are becoming Something. But that idea doesn't take into account the equally important truth of the lack of an inherent self. Not just for us, but for anything. If there is no inherent self, then this moment can only ever be this moment. And in this moment, we can only ever be who we are. And in the next moment, we're new and we're that. And in the next moment, we're that. That's not the same as a trajectory. It's not the same as a process of becoming. We want, I want, for winter to become spring. And already, because we're kind of along in the process, I'm excited for spring to become summer. And I'm okay with summer becoming fall. And that's as far as I can get, emotionally. (laughs) There's a sign over there next to the coat room, the, these training slogans. And the one that happened to come up today, I didn't choose it, is, Abandon all hope of fruition. This is speaking to the same point. We might hear it to imagine that, that we should, you know, be goalless. That we should let go of the idea of, of the fruit or the achievement But it goes beyond that, it's it's to let go of the idea of becoming. To abandon all hope of fruition is to really accept where we are today. And I've said this before and I'll I'll say it again, whenever I give these talks they're pep talks to myself. Is what I'm watching in myself this year. I'm watching how I have a story about the weather. It hasn't driven me to any kind of road rage or anything, but it's it's, this—it's—it's like music playing in the background. I step outside and I see the snow and I think, no, but it's not. it, It should be something else. but it's not, that's the reality of our lives, and that's the reality of everything. That whatever you think something should be, by definition, it's not that. And so that should in your head, by definition, is in conflict with reality, and Because it's something of your own creation, it's almost certainly more interesting to you than reality. And so it takes your attention. It steals everything. I think I've told this story before, but I went to India when I was 24, maybe 25 years old. And this was the culmination of of, of a, a dream I'd had since I was in fifth grade. I had been obsessed with India and I wanted to go to India and I finally had the time and I had the money and I bought a ticket and, and this was an expression of my vision of who I was spiritually that I was taking up this trip. It was important to me. It, it wasn't... We talk about finding ourselves. I don't know if I thought I would find myself so much as I thought that I would kind of claim something to which I had always been entitled. (laughs) Like there had been a package waiting for me in India and I was going to go pick it up. And I went there and I had lots of adventures and it was a very interesting trip. But from the day I arrived... I was walking around in this amazing foreign land thinking, where are my deep thoughts? (laughs) I thought I would have so many of them that I would go and I would meet my own mind and, and it wasn't there. (laughs) It was so frustrating because India should make me feel a certain way and there should be epiphanies in India. There should be revelations. There should be moments of clarity. I should walk out with a new sense of purpose. I should be clarified and it didn't happen. And it's not just that it didn't happen. It was that the entire month I was there, it was in a constant state of not happening. So it was what I saw, and I was turned in on myself like a like a nautilus. It was the ultimate narcissistic experience because I was looking inward for the thing that I thought I could look inward for. I was curling in on myself, knowing that it was there, knowing that if I just looked at the right object, or I went to the right space, or I took the right walk, or I, or I wore the right clothes, that, that my life would break open for me in the way that I had always thought it would. And I went home so disappointed in myself. Because all I did, of course, was I flew across the world so that I could see me, <laughs> not as my aspirational self, but as a very small self, and that was that that smallness was uh, was magnified. By my, my isolation. Standing alone in a billion people that I didn't know. In a city, in cities I didn't know. Thinking, I don't know what to do with rats. <laughs> I don't know what to do when a monkey tries to steal things through the hotel window. I'm completely out of my element. And nothing about it is making me better. The sad thing is to see that nearly 20 years later, I'm still a human being and I still play this out all the time. I have friendships and I think they should be like this. But for some reason they just don't go there. And I should be able to do this. And and when my, my children are having that tantrum, I should be more patient. This is what I tell myself. But it's not useful. Should is not useful. And I don't mean to say that we should just settle with where we are or that there's no way to go forward but in that moment when when you know when my daughter is throwing a plate of eggs at me and I'm thinking I should be more patient what I could be doing is saying I'm not patient and then I could be noticing I can possibly be something else but that possibility doesn't really exist unless we agree to be where we are not to embrace it i don't mean that when it when it when you look out the window and you see that it's snowing again i don't mean you have to go sledding or that you have to build a snowman or that you have to you know, make hot chocolate and get excited about it. That's a different conversation. You can do that if you want to. Right. But that when you see snow, you just see snow. As opposed to what we so often do, which is to see snow with our eyes and see green grass with our minds. So that we're holding both abandon all hope of spring (laughs) that's my message today stop looking for the grass under the snow it might be there it might not it's been a long time when you look out and it's snowing see it and say this is what it is and don't ask yourself if this is still winter or if this is still spring. Because part of understanding that winter doesn't become spring and spring doesn't become winter is that if we can establish that, then we establish that naming it anything at all is useless. We name it because we imagine it is a stage. Take away the idea of the process, and it's just this and your marriage is just this and your job is just this and your unresolved fears are just this I'll stop there for more information about Zen our practice and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit ZenNovaScotia.com.